Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? My uh, what the fuck a reekin' friend? How are you? Apparently, there's more than one of you, which is nice. Uh, what the fuck, Nick's? How are you doing? All right, you know, there's a lot of names I could go through. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF with me, Mark Marin. Thank you for uh for joining me. I I'm a little uh, a little hyper. I'm a little ecstatic. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's cause tonight I'm doing uh, Conan O'Brien's show, and I've not hung out with Conan O'Brien. And what? How long has it been? I don't even know. I I wasn't on the Tonight Show. That's fine. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been on the old show. I'm very excited. I don't know if I told you, but the last time I went over there, I had a meeting with uh, one of the executives over there about some other stuff uh, with Conan's production company. And I'm walking around backstage, and I see all the old cats from uh, from New York, and and I I just had I I almost cried. I was like, well, well, how come, how are you guys doing? I miss you guys. And now tonight I'm going to be on and I hope, uh, I hope I don't look fat. I hope I'm funny and I hope I don't dress in a way that I regret uh, in years to come. Like uh, so many of the other Conan episodes that I've done in my past. You can go to uh, markmarin.com and go ahead and take a little, a little wander through or a little, uh, Take a little trip through the uh, weird, bad fashion choices and haircuts that uh, I once um, donned uh, in order to to uh, look what I thought was uh, uh, good on television. A lot of bad choices. Right now, can I tell you this? In my ears, I'm listening to myself through these new earphones that I got. These are tweaked audio earbud earphones. I'm listening in my head right now on tweaked audio earbud earphones. If you go to uh, to tweaked audio, that's t w e a k e d audio dot com slash w t f, uh, and you know use that to buy some of these, you can get thirty three percent off, and they'll give you free shipping. They're kind of cool looking. There's a bunch of different styles. You know, they got a few different colors. They got red, blue, green, pink, black, silver, wood grain. You want some wood grain earphones? So they look, so they have that handcrafted carpenter look. Uh, and they have several different versions of these earphones. And they, they seem pretty good to me. So why don't you go to tweakedaudio.com slash WTF and get yourself a deal on these. See how that goes. Uh, they're fun. They're good. They're earbuds. I like earbuds. I like them better than the ones that fit on your head. I like I like earphones that I can cram into my ear so I literally hear nothing else but whatever's in my head. And that's that's the way I roll. God, are we plugging away? Are we doing more plugs? Hold on. Pow! Oh, my God. Did I just shit my pants? JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com or JustCoffee.coop. So that's how it's going today. What do you want to talk about? Where are we at? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. I really didn't give you the rundown or what happened in Philadelphia. Man, Helium Comedy Club was fucking great. Sold out a few shows. A lot of what the fuckers came. Great to meet you people. Thank you for all the cookies, but also uh, thank you for making me feel fucking fat. And I'm not going to complain about this. I don't want to be that guy with the girl inside who's always like, am I fat? How's my ass look? Is it, am I going to be okay? It's just the way I was wired, and you you know that about me. But I haven't gone to the gym. I did eat a mound of cookies. I mean, I, three or four people brought me cookies. 
And I'm not going to complain about it because they were lovely. But I just know that if you bring me a box of fucking cookies, then that means that after the show, I'm going to be in my hotel room eating a box of fucking cookies. You know what? I'm not going to complain. They were great. They, and I, I have no control over this. But I will say this. Some dude came to the show. I got some nice books. A cat brought me a Chuck Klosterman book. Another dude brought me a Hellboy book. Um... I just, I just went to my P.O. box. Someone named Amanda sent me all this nice soap. I love fucking presents. Makes me feel good. But look, this is one of the most unique presents I ever got in my life. A dude in Philly comes up. He's with his girlfriend, and he hands me a box that's got some art on it, like a picture of me that he drew. And in the box, I, I, there's no way in the world you could ever guess. He, he gave me a box of Shabbos candles that he had carved with his teeth. These were teeth-carved candles. Now, I think you hear that, and your first thought is like, well, that's a little fucking weird. It is a little weird, but it's a very specific talent. He carves candles with his teeth, and now I have them. Uh, His name's Max, and I appreciate that, Max. Also in uh, Philadelphia, I've never been to a city that is more proud of shoving meat in their mouth than Philadelphia. I mean, this is about sandwiches. It's about cold cuts. I you, And I didn't want to get the cheesesteak. You know, I was busy. I was. I had to go up. I did morning radio, Preston and Steve. Great. Uh, that was a great time. And uh, John DeBella. But I, I, what, a, what an operation Preston and Steve have over there. We uh, That was a good time. And uh, it's fun to do morning radio when you just, you like, you lock in with a morning crew and it's just like you just sit there for an hour and riff. It was a good time. But nonetheless, the meat thing. Like, I was running up to New York on both days that I was there because I had meetings with uh, with publishers. You know, I'm, I'm trying to sell a book because I think that you guys would like a book. Would you? You'd like a book, wouldn't you? If I wrote a book, you would like that. Well, we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, I, I didn't go to the cheesesteak. I said, look, I know what a cheesesteak is. I know they're great, but I know that experience. Maybe I don't have to do that. So then I put it out on Twitter, like, you know, what should I eat if I'm not going to eat a cheesesteak? And they sent me this place, uh, Denick's, in uh, in Reading Market. And this place had roast Italian-style pork uh, with, uh, you could get it with broccoli rabe or provolone cheese. I never heard of this. They had roast pork. They had pulled pork Italian-style. They had brisket. And you get the pork sandwich with chopped broccoli rabe on top or cheese on top. And I went with my buddy Oz, and we got a roast pork with broccoli rabe. We got a pulled pork with provolone. We got a brisket sandwich. We're sitting there at this table with literally three huge fucking sandwiches. Nobody stepped in. There was no intervention. You know, I felt like Adam Richman. I, I, I felt like it was, it was me versus the, the sandwich. And uh, I, I shoved all that in my face. And then I shoved your cookies in my face. And then I shoved some of the chocolate that some guy brought me in my face. So needless to say, if, uh, if I look obese tonight on Conan O'Brien, uh, I have you to thank. And, that, and that's not passive aggressive. That's not guilty. The, the way I look at it, it's only going to compel me to, uh, to go into some sort of gym mode, you would hope. And right now I'm wearing two nicotine patches to get off of the uh, nicotine lozenges, which I started to do again. So that's my life right now. I just wanted to update you. Let's talk about women. Can we? There's something odd going on in my life where I'm in some sort of transition where I believe that perhaps a healthy relationship is possible to me. A lot of weird things are sort of happening. 
I, I don't know how to explain it. Obviously, you know, Jessica and I broke up. That was very dramatic. Uh, that was very, it was, it was heartbreaking. And, and now, like, I somehow believe that I am capable of a healthy relationship with a healthy person. I have no evidence of that. Uh, I do not generally engage uh, on an emotional uh, level with, uh, with healthy people. I am wired to uh, engage with people that, uh, that match my wiring, which means a little uh, fucked up. Uh, and here's the weirdest thing. I, I, I don't know really quite how to talk about this, but I, you know, I've been around, uh, I've lived in many cities. I've, I've, uh, I've been around and I was in Philly and I ran into a woman I dated for a month or so, a few years back or a year or so back. And, and there was this moment where I'm looking at her and something is happening inside of me where I, I feel emotions kind of boiling up or, or sort of brewing. Something is going on. I feel a full body rush when I see this person, but I don't quite know who she is yet. And all of a sudden, like in this weird kind of Proustian rush, everything sort of came back and, and it all congealed around her face and, and eyes, the, the, the past that we had together. And I was just overwhelmed with some sort of you know, real excitement. And, and in that moment, here's the weird thing about living for a while is that you, you tend to forget the bad parts. There's some part of me you know, even though I, I, I broke up with this girl a couple of years ago, we didn't go out for that long, but I hurt her feelings. It was it was a, a bad scene in a lot of ways. But in that moment where you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, all that shit is forgotten. And there's some party that's like, all right, well, so we good. Let's just pick up where we left off. Not knowing what they went through or where they'd been with it or or, or, or what effect it had on their life. Or, or And also my memory was hazy of the situation. I think men are a little worse with that. There's something about I know from from being sort of an angry guy that, you know, once you yell, when you're done yelling, it's over. But you don't realize you just dump that into the other person and that people have emotional memories. So it was sort of this weird lesson to be learned in dealing with this person and and hanging out and talking and stuff and getting some closure around that stuff that, uh, you know, sometimes that's your window, man. Sometimes whatever you had, that's all that it was. And it's not going to come back. And you know, if you're a pretty decent person, you can sit down and hear their side of it and sort of apologize and try to make it okay. But you can't get that stuff back sometimes. But some part of your heart really wants to. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. I, I wish I had kids, so at least I know I was getting old. I think that's one of the benefits of having kids. I wouldn't say it's a reason to have children, just uh, as some sort of reality check that uh, your life is running out because of the way they're growing up. As as they grow up, you realize, oh, I'm running out of time, and they're picking up speed. But I just don't know how. I don't have any regulator. I don't. You know, I'm stuck in some sort, some sort of perpetual. In my brain, I think I'm like maybe 28 or 29. And then I look in the mirror, and now like I'm getting all gray on the sides, and and it's becoming undeniable that perhaps I'm older than 29 years old. All I know is there's a lot more cats around. Oh fuck, that's the weird thing. It's the same thing with uh, with running into people. There's this stray cat that I haven't seen in months, months. And this is a little scrapper, fucking vicious little cat. Like, it, it eats out of a bowl, it, like the equivalent of someone who's been in jail. You know how when, when people have been in jail, they, they sort of wrap their arm around the bowl so no one will fuck with them? Well, this cat, like, it eats, it, it almost eats like it's about to attack something. It eats, but, like, right, you know, at the corner of its eye, it's like, you know, don't fuck with me, don't fuck with me. But I haven't seen this cat in months, and I'm feeling the same way about people in my life now. 
is that like the cat shows up. The last time I saw this cat, half its ear was gone. It had blood on its face. Its coat looked all ratty and it disappeared and I assumed it died. But no, there he is. Uh, his, his, his ear is back. He's not bloody. He looks healthy as shit. And I don't I wish it could talk because there's part of me that's like, what the where the fuck have you been? What have you been doing? What, what, how, how are you okay? And I'm finding that I, I feel that way with people too. <laughs> that I see some people, certainly in comedy, where you just see, you know, you see somebody and you're like, what have you been doing? I, I recently sat down with Tom Rhodes. I'll share that with you uh, in an upcoming episode. And, you know, he's one of these guys I've known for 20 years. And, and, you know, we're just a bunch of fucking stray cats sometimes. You know, if you're out of the limelight and you're not on television and, and you all sort of started together gunning for the same prize, and then you, you just don't see people for a year and a half, and it's like seeing that stray. You know, I just see him and I'm like, hey, where the fuck, what the fuck have you been doing? Where have you been? The last time I saw you, you were missing part of your ear and your face was all bloody. You're still alive, huh? Well, that's fucking great. It's very exciting. I, I guess maybe I'm just feeling a little nostalgic today or something. I don't know. Is it possible that I get my emotional shit together? It seems like everything else is going okay. Why can't I just get my emotional shit together? My mother's like, don't worry, Mark. You'll meet some nice lady who's age appropriate. And like, all I can think is like, what does that mean? Does that mean I just sort of give up and I meet somebody and we kind of hang around the house and sort of reflect on how we both failed for the most part emotionally, <laughs> share stories about fucking disastrous relationships and the fact we don't have children. That's negative. Isn't that negative? It doesn't have to be that way. Oh, fuck. Well, look, today on the show, we have Joe Mandy. Joe Mandy is a very funny guy. Uh, he's a young guy, and so, you know, it's a little difficult for me to completely be appreciative, but this dude, he's, he's bright, he's funny, uh, and he's just, he's just sharp, and he's one of these cats that, you know, that I see, and because of his sort of disposition, I'm thinking, well, you know, he's going to end up being a writer, but it's, it's, you know, it's great is when you see a dude that is sort of built to be a writer, which just means he, he's smart, and you assume that, you know, he's not going to find his groove in the stand-up world. This guy's got some fucking, I think as they say in Yiddish, naches. He's fucking, you know, he, he, he sells it, he delivers it, and, you know, he holds the stage, and he's a funny fuck. And I talked to him in New York. Why don't we do that now? <laughs> Have you ever taken a voice lesson? I've never done anything like that. No theater? No. Well, I was actually in high school. I was in The Crucible. I played the old man, which is really funny. Were you? Now, I'm trying to Giles remember. Giles Corey. Is that uh, The Crucible? Arthur Miller, uh-huh. uh, Witchcraft. Yep. Uh, well, which uh, trials? Which trials yeah. that were a uh, not so thinly veiled metaphor for the McCarthy here? Exactly at yeah. the time of the McCarthy. And hearings. I played an old man. I was I played an old man named Giles Corey who uh, is accused of being a witch and is stoned to death. So that was very funny for me and my friends. That my friend Al McIntosh played the judge who had uh, 
who gets to sentence me to stoning to death and we laughed i think we did five performances we laughed every time because during the performance yeah yeah i mean we (laughs) i mean it was absurd i had a baby powder in my hair to make me look like yeah it was now tell please tell me this was a third grade play no it wasn't this was high school this was (laughs) i'd love to if the crucible was being done in an elementary that would be amazing yeah has anyone tried that that sounds like something that you might uh try to do i just i'm pitching that idea to you it's sort of rushmore isn't it oh i guess that's true But uh, even younger, did yeah. they do that in Rushmore? How old? I mean, they were like little kids, I think. I mean, oh, shit! So I gotta watch. Yeah, well, you should pitch Rushmore. Right again, <laughs> yeah, again, just to retitle it mm-hmm. and maybe pitch it to actually pitch it to Wes Anderson. Right, that would be great. Are you a Wes Anderson fan? I am. I can't. I can't say I'm not. I enjoy. Actually, I I've liked all his movies less. He's sort of like uh, M Night Shyamalan in some respects. Where like, I mean, Bottle Rocket is one of my favorite movies, right. and it gets more and more. Uh, Wes Anderson each time, you know, and some people really like that. Yeah, but I think that the uh, the career trajectory, the arc, mm-hmm. is is, is completely up. opposite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. If you were to look at a graph, right. of Wes Anderson and F yeah. Night Shyamalan, la, 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 it's close enough. Yeah. That, that they'd be like crossing in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah. My guess is Joe Mandy. We're in New York. We're in the offices of OWA, which is uh, Olivia Wingate Artists. This is my uh, my studio away from home. It's the first yeah. time I've ever recorded in here. Really? You're, yeah. I'm you're honored. Uh, it's a virgin episode recorded mm-hmm. from uh, from Broadway and Bond right. Street. And because I'm a virgin, so it always... Are you uh, still? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I would have made that assumption, but I would have felt like I would be sliding you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Funny I get it a lot. In so. a hackneyed way. Right. Now, I, uh, I'm a fan of your comedy. I, I, I sing your praises. Thank you. Really? I appreciate that. Because you yeah. don't do that often. No, I don't I do it that. often. And oddly, for some reason, I thought we... you know, And I think we talked about this on the live one briefly. I can't remember. Yeah, I thought we had tension between us. Uh, there was no real tension. I uh, I've been a fan for a long time, and I came up to you at a show once and was trying to tell you my life story because there's a lot of overlap. And because then, we were from Albuquerque. Yes, we're both from Albuquerque. So that was you. See, yeah. because there was something that happened. I mm-hmm. think I asked you. I wrote you an email um, to to write on you know the break room life thing. Yes. And you were like, "No, I've got a writing job." Oh, was I? <laughs> well, I and, yeah. And then I thought to myself. Is this the same guy that came up to me and was so nice to me? Like I, uh, you know, the way you handled that email, I was like, "Who the fuck?" fuck you know. And then I thought I like, can't be the same guy. Really? Because when I met that guy, he was so nice to me. We come, we come from Albuquerque. Then I started asking around. Uh-huh. I'm like, do, is, "Do you know a comic from Albuquerque?" I, I thought it was Joe Mandy. And and then well, see, because I'm not actually. I mean, I'm from no, Minnesota. No, but you were nice to me. Yeah. And I guess in my mind, I thought that guy would be, would well, drop think, everything to write. On I think my we both have that. See, I write you. You write curt responses too. To I emails. do. I mean, I, it's just how I sort of. Re- if I don't reply like that, I'll forget and never reply to anyone because I have. I'm always on my phone. That's and, right. It's it's a matter of pace. Yeah. And I, I do curt responses. And right. then when I get them, I'm like, fuck him. Right. It's so easy <laughs> it's exactly. to misunderstand the tone of yes. email because there isn't unless you actually invest. Yes, it kills me because so, I, I, I'm very sarcastic and that is the hardest thing to convey. Uh, yeah, but I think that because you're sarcastic, I would imagine that any email anyone gets from you, they're right. like listening. It, especially if it's sincere. Like, like I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I was, uh, I mean, I was writing. I like, think sure, at the time. I'll get back to you. Like, right. sure, I'll get back to you. Right. Yeah, because yeah. it's Joe Manning. Exactly, Mandy. yeah. Have you, had, have you had any misunderstood emails that have gotten you in trouble? Uh, let me think. I, not that I can rem- remember. It's all, I can always take care of it in person. But, I mean, <laughs> all, all the time that nothing comes to mind. There's no calamity, though. Have you ever misread an email? I've had that. Where mm-hmm. you, I, like, from a woman, where I thought it was loaded. Right. With uh, sexual implications. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it was probably just sort of like, you know, coffee sounds good. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I want to fuck you. You right. know, and she's like, I think you misunderstood. That's and hilarious. 
It's ridiculous. You've gotten like you're. Uh, I I didn't really realize until recently what a what a you know troublemaker you are. Oh uh, yeah, you, I mean, you see, do you, I mean, you get off on you know publicly, you know, you know, busting balls. It's true. I uh, I think you're speaking of my Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. That uh, what was that about? I I was sort of morally opposed to Twitter for the longest time, and I found I found it kind of. Uh, sort of gross and indulgent and it is completely uh but i joined it when i found out that people like senators and famous athletes are on there and like interact with people because it it is this weird forum where you can pretty much say anything and there's no real consequence so i mean i i joined it not and i thought i mean i i i I sort of avoided joining twitter at first because i thought it would kind of bring out the bad sides of my personality like i would be so obsessed with how many followers i had sure. and like fuck that guy has like ten thousand followers who's yeah. he like i thought that would be my obsession and it's really not i don't care how many followers good I for have. you you've overcome <laughs> thank you like, yeah I, I hit a number of followers where i stopped caring really yeah, yeah. i mean I, obviously there's still a, a twinge of that but i sort of ignore it how because, many you got uh, i think i'm over five thousand now i mean no, that's, that's, that's not much but i but i just i literally just do it to go after people I find uh, annoying, so yeah, I go after senators and. And what's happened? What are dumb some rappers? Incidents? I just get blocked. I mean, I find out. Oh that, really? Yeah, but I mean, that's a great feeling to have David Vitter block you. Actively on say no. Let's yeah, just Cindy McCain. That. Cindy McCain blocked me after one tweet, and I, it was like it wasn't even anything. So she just knew what I was up to immediately. I I always engage. I have to struggle to engage with people with haters. Right. Because there's some sort of surge that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a rush where, and I know no matter how smart I am or how clever I think I'm being, as soon as you engage, you're fucked. You're done, right. Because they can just turn it on you. Right. Because they've, they've sucked you in. Yeah, and I'm, I, I don't really, I don't have that side of it because I'm the hater, you know? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going after people who probably deserve it so I can live with it. And you don't get compulsively engaged? Uh, I, well, I got into a really bizarre Twitter war with this guy named Jesse Camp, who used to be an MTV VJ, uh, who, and he's just like, just, just a lunatic. And the funny thing about our, our interaction was that I never said anything mean to him. Like he just kept digging himself. He was so upset and he's so fundamentally. What happened? Well, I, I was drunk one night at a bar, and I, I wrote on Twitter. I was talking about Jesse Camp with a friend, and I just wrote, like, is Jesse Camp on Twitter? Right. And then someone wrote me back and was like, yes, and sent me his profile. And then like, and for a while, I was just retweeting things he wrote uh, without commentary, just because they were insane, you oh, know? Really? Yeah, just, like, so weird. Yeah. Like, it, just him complaining about his friend Brian. He's, like, saying, I'm, 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 at, I'm outside the library. The library's co- closed. Where's Brian? Yeah. So I would just retweet that because, like, what is this guy's life, you know? <laughs> and then uh, he eventually, at one point, he wrote, like, who the fuck is Joe Mandy? <laughs> you just right? Out nowhere. of nowhere. Because like, I guess he saw that I was. Kept, kept right. And then I wrote, like, I was like, hi, Jesse. Like, and that's it. I just said, hi, Jesse. And then he wrote back and he was like, you know what? I'm going to sue you if you keep retweeting me because this is all copywritten. And it's my property. And then that just, I just. So you tweeted that. I was, yeah, obviously. He did that in public forum. Yeah, he did that. He, so he, he said, I'll sue you if you keep retweeting me. And yeah. then I retweeted it. And I said, see you in court. You know, stuff <laughs> like that. And it, like, it was never that mean. But I was just like, yeah. you know. And it, and it yeah. started with nothing. It started with nothing. How- and it, it went on for like two days. It was, it was hilarious because he always responded. Right. And then it, it was just, it was so funny. 
that's well that's sort of an interesting thing about you is that you you sense you can sense the humor the you know inherent humor in something that is fairly it's just indicative of a ridiculous life i right. mean just to, to retweet you know where's brian right. on some level wouldn't you know no i don't think that everybody would see that and go this is ridiculous right but it's ridiculous because it's his has been uh -huh. and who knows what his life is like and then it actually pushed his buttons yeah and, and it and it served to do exactly what you set out to do to make exactly. him realize that his life is small and ridiculous right and my new thing now is i follow a lot of corporate twitter accounts because all these corporations have that that worked for me. Yeah. And what how, what have you gotten? What are some results? Well, I just just recently I've been sort of I've been replying the 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 White Castle corporate Twitter account is always asking these questions with fill in the blank answers and I always just write the most morbid depressing stuff you know so like they're like commentary for their hamburgers yeah they're like stuff. hey cravers uh what are you doing this this uh weekend yeah. and then i'm just like i'm just gonna stay in my room and stare at candles <laughs> you know <laughs> and then no, they write they wrote me back and they were like oh that sounds fun is it white castle scented candles oh, yeah, and like i was that, like yeah. I, they might be because they smell disgusting you know? oh yeah, yeah, yeah so i just and then what happened no they, 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 they probably blocked me i don't know well the interesting thing about corporations claiming uh, the personhood that they're uh, uh, availed you know, right. legally and just you know trying to engage among us, mm -hmm. obviously for promotional purposes, is that I had an issue with Virgin Air Virgin America. Right. Yeah, I saw that. And I got because of the number of followers, I have to assume it was because mm -hmm. of that. Uh, you know, I got immediate response. That's amazing. It was just basically, you know, why did they, you know, separate me and my girlfriend, mm -hmm. uh, you know, without telling us? And they corrected it, and they gave us, you know, main cabin collect, main, you know, the the good seats, not right. first class, but the second down. And I, I just think it's interesting that that does give us a certain amount of power if you have the the followers, right? If you have some uh, uh, momentum, gravitas, yeah. gravitas, yeah. But you can really get you know action done. That's awesome. I mean, that's sort of why I pursued this lifestyle in the first place is just to be able to skip lines and stuff like i'm not i'm not gonna wait in line for anything you it's a really gross part of that's why you pursued what celebrity not celebrity i mean just like well yeah i mean just just show business special, in general right. yeah because i'm special and 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 how's that panning out <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's going all right where, where have you found that uh, it has actually worked in your favor mostly just comedy shows nothing else <laughs> <laughs> you get your own soda in right. a couple places right exactly <laughs> Finally, you've really... earned the ability to go. Right. Yeah, I'm a comic, and I just... mean, I'm still working on it. Hopefully, in the next few years, I can. What are you working on right now? I uh, right now I'm just sort of doing stand up, doing the odd writing job here and there. Like, what have you written on? Uh, I just finished doing uh, writing a pilot thing for Reggie Watts. Oh, okay. With Jesse Klein, she and I were the writers. So you've been to this office before? I haven't actually. No. Well, we, now you know Reggie's manager. Yeah, <laughs> we met. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Olivia. But we uh, we met at Reggie's like super cool hotel room every day. That was our writing. Uh, oh yeah, you're yeah. staying in one of the upscale places. He was staying at this place that like I thought. I would be padded down to you know to make because I was Jesse and I were both just not cool enough to be in this hotel. It was I've never seen anything like it, and that's just it was a spaceship. We went. It was a spaceship. Oh really? Yeah. He was here in New York. Yeah. Which hotel? Uh, the Standard. Right. I've stayed there. Right. Yeah. So he was working at well, Comics, I, or he put himself up there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what the situation was, but the, he. The weird thing about those hotels, you know, as spectacular as they may seem and as great as they are, they're they're kind of impractical. Totally, yeah. You, I mean, like, I was at the Standard, and they've got the design, so the bathroom, the sink and everything mm -hmm. is, like, basically in the shower. Yes. And I was in a room there where you could not, the water would go all over the place. Mm -hmm. It made it dangerous to be in the bathroom. Some of it would overflow under the rug. Uh -huh. 
And we said, uh, look, you know, you should provide squeegees in those rooms where you have fucked up the showers. Right. And of course they go, oh, that's a very interesting suggestion. We'll make note of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no. there, there, it, there's, I would rather stay in a Marriott Suites hotel mm -hmm. where I have a refrigerator uh, and a microwave and, you know, some of them have stoves. Or, or, or an extended stay. See, when you really start working the road, that's where the real payoff is going to be. With the stoves? Yeah, stoves yeah. and hotel rooms. <laughs> Sweet. So, I look forward to that. So when, when you get to a particular town, if you're there for three days, you're not held hostage to the dietary uh, 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 restrictions of corporate food uh, court Yeah, that's food. the worst because I, I cannot handle that. I have the most sensitive stomach. I can't do that. I know. Didn't I bring you somewhere and you had a problem always i mean probably where yeah. did we where was that in vancouver did uh, we go oh yeah yeah we uh, i had fried scallops like i should have known better oh no seattle yeah, yeah i was in seattle yeah really oh immediately like we i finished my meal and i was like yeah i'm gonna go yeah i gotta go oh that's right you room. couldn't even make it out for the bike <laughs> so <laughs> nope i was done for the mostly afternoon is that is that clinical i mean can you treat it's, it or what? i mean i've in high school, they thought I had the most like severe case of IBS they'd ever seen. They thought it was uh, stomach cancer because I just I, I literally for about four years woke up every morning with just explosive diarrhea. Just yeah. every morning, just that was just my part of my routine. Have you got any good shitting in public stories in your pants? Uh, there was one time, <laughs> actually, there was one time I was on a conclave. I'm sorry, being like, insensitive. No, it's fine. I that's it's my life, you know. <laughs> Shitting all the time. Uh I was at this thing for my Jewish youth group when I was like 15. Jewish yes. youth group stories. Yeah, and we were on a bus uh, in Wisconsin and we had just uh we had just gone to Taco Bell, so that I mean already red flag. Did you know when you were eating it that Pro I mean, yeah, it's always like sort of Russian roulette with Mexican yeah. food. Yeah. Mex <laughs> Mexican roulette. Yeah. And uh Immediately, I just knew I was, I, I, ha I had to go, and it was like in a school bus. Yeah. So there was no bathroom, and I had to go up to my rabbi, <laughs> the front of the bus, and say, you know, uh, bad things are happening to me. We really need to pull over at the next rest stop. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'll make sure of it. So we went back. I went back to the back of the bus, and, you know, the rest stop was five miles ahead. And I'm just like, you know, Come pacing. On, and, and then the bus driver just blew right past it. And the next rest stop wasn't for like 45 miles. And I didn't know. I, had, I, I My body was going to explode, you know. Yeah. And I, and I, to this day, I can't listen to Tom Petty without thinking of, uh, I, I put on the Wildflowers mm -hmm. album. And yeah. I, like the only time I've ever successfully meditated but I meditated for those 45 minutes to the next rest stop and ran. And I, my friend was in the bathroom and he said he's never heard a human body make those <laughs> kinds of noises. I was in there for everyone on the bus is waiting for me. I, mean, I was in there for like 35 minutes just So that, that evacuating. is a, an amazing testament to the power of meditation and complete fear of peer judgment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably... There, I probably hurt my body in the long run the way I was clenching because every muscle. That that is a that is a superhuman feat. Mm -hmm. That that is almost. Nietzsche. I still to this day I don't know how I did it because it was it was bad. What the I I guess the power of being the guy. Yeah. That shit in the back of the school bus for I the rest of your right, life forever. Yeah. And and was this the beginning of the trip? Uh, that we were on our way back to. So you made it. You know, you were cool the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like you know, people still thought the same of you. You were Joe Mandy. Well, they knew I was in there for. Their, they knew something was up. That but, I was. But but like if you had to, like, it's amazing to me that that those kind of things can define. I mean, literally, it would have defined the future. Oh, of your totally. Life. Yeah, and actually, my high school. I went to a really 
just insane high school and you could not take a shit in my high school because uh if you if anyone saw like you know the, the bathrooms were sort of wide open if you walked in and if anyone saw legs dangling or you know if they saw legs under the stall yeah then you were just you were gonna get tortured people would throw like wet toilet paper at you and just for shitting just for shitting so i <laughs> what kind of high school is that i, I went yeah i, I kind of remember that though that you know there, there i remember situations where i don't know if it was high school but there was one situation where they they didn't even have s- doors on the stalls right it, it wasn't that bad but i mean you could they would you would usually what would happen and i only i actually ninth grade i took a couple shits in high school and then vowed never again you know because people would kick the door open laugh at you throw stuff at you. it was terrifying oh, throw th- so you're saying they would throw shit at you in the bathroom yeah not oh. like shit not no physical, no no, no but, yeah. but it wouldn't happen in this like in the classroom or something no but what would happen too is if they you you came out yeah uh there would always be some dude who would see you walk out and then just walk behind you down the hallway and be like, yo, that dude took a shit. That dude took a shit. So you'd just be like this awful, awful, shameful feeling of... Don't you ever wonder what drives those people? Uh, I, mean, what, I mean, it is kind of funny. I mean, like you have to realize I was like four feet tall and braces and so. Oh, really? Vest. I mean, like I was you, so you had it an coming easy kid. Yeah, in high school. it was easy. Oh, my um, God. How much hate built up from that era of your life? Man. Oh my! That yeah, my high school years were like yeah, you were so, short. Had braces, I was short. Not Jewish, only that, I went wore I mean, glasses. My high, I went to St. Paul Central High School, which where in St. Paul, Minnesota, yeah. St. Paul Central, which had a uh, it has a reputation for being sort of a a rough. I mean, it's it, it's like the movie, the movie Dangerous Minds. Yeah, it was like that school, but with like an honors program. Right. So like it actually had this like kind of apartheid vibe to the school, where like the white kids took the honor, the white kid and the white kids and the Asian girls took honors classes, and everyone else took regular classes and hated and, those honors. Classes. And it was just there was just some tension, like and the the, the the honors classes tended to be on the top two floors because mm-hmm. cream rises to the top or whatever, <laughs> and. uh yeah, and there was just there was a little. It was just it was just strange. Yeah. The whole vibe was very strange, and there were there used to be race riots before I got there. So I mean, that was like we had a daycare. Oh right. Yeah. For okay. This, and actually, our football field had barbed wire surrounding it, but the barbed wire went in. So, like, why would it go? Why would it? Why would you want to keep people in the football field, oh, so not they were out like, of it? You know what I mean? They were probably preparing just in case some other uh, riot situation right. happened. They would just, ro- you know. Right. I mean, like, the, the the rumor, I don't know if this is true, but the rumor was that the architect who designed our school also uh, designed the prison in Stillwater, Minnesota. They also designed Auschwitz. <laughs> right. It was, no, it was sort of like a modern-looking building, so, but, like, the doors would magnetically lock during class and stuff. It was very just, like... Prison like. Oh, know? so this is one of those situations where they did an architectural experiment with one of the more difficult schools yeah. and said that, you know, give it these elements of securing yeah. it. And um, my dad, when I was in ninth grade, my dad's job was he put kids in prison, that he was a juvenile prosecutor. Right. So uh, like my third day of school, I got lost in a hallway and this giant dude just grabbed me by my neck and threw me against the locker and was like, your dad put my cousin in prison. And oh my god! Like, so you were in prison? Uh, yeah, and I, <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't. Know, I was just like, I, yeah, he's a dick, you know. What it yeah. was, <laughs> he sold your dad out right. like that. He was like, he makes me mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah, that fucker. We have a huge lawn. Oh, that's great! It just immediately threw dad under yeah. the bus. Like, what, what? What? Yeah, you got to. Yeah, you have to. And I mean, yeah, and that was like part of my the point in my life where I didn't. Both of my parents were trial lawyers, so I just there there was a few years where I just didn't talk to my parents because they would just, oh man, between my sister and I, we would just get 
cross-examine on everything. Oh my you know, god. That was just how we were raised, just uh, constant. So always looking for the lie? They're always looking for the lie even that it was just it was crazy. So it, it, and my parents have, are much They never better. said that my client, my son there was <laughs> Basically, no- I mean but like we would be sitting at a dinner table and if they smelled anything fishy, they would they were back on the clock and just grilling us until they figured out what the issue was or whatever and so oh my god and, and my sister and i both handled that in different ways because i think from seventh to tenth grade i just basically just pleaded the fifth on everything you know what i mean i just didn't talk to them because i didn't want to incriminate myself <laughs> so i really like there's a few years where i hardly ever talked to my parents just out of fear of being uh grilled yeah and my sister on the other hand she uh she sort of just pled insanity. My sister was just this like wall of noise. She just like everything was just anytime my parents tried to confront her on it, she'd just scream and slam her door. And that was, I kind of jealous. Actually, that's a much better tactic. I just internalized everything. And uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting that like that it's a, it's a unique um, take on the, you know, boundaryless intrusiveness of parents mm-hmm. that, that, you know, you're not, you're not in a situation where there's, there's clearly you know, emotional interdependence or that type of boundarylessness but they're literally like they will take all of their skill and craft oh. from years of, of prosecutorial really good at it too you know? oh they both yeah. are really good yeah and and that's relentless it was it was that's the exact word relentless it was it was just insane and it's funny now that like my parents have totally i think my whole family sort of chilled out you know right. and we're all older and my dad actually is sort of retired from law and is now starting his own dog training business the dream right? yeah the dream <laughs> and so uh he's got to control something exactly yeah uh and my dad actually we had this funny moment last year where he had just taken all these really kind of intensive courses on how to it's kind of animal behavioral stuff you uh-huh. know and he was learning a lot about uh dog he didn't training. ask you to get in a box no 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 <laughs> but he did sort of come up to me and and apologize for how he uh treated me as a kid how everything he does with dogs now is all about positive reinforcement, and he was sort of apologizing that he didn't for treat being you more like a dog. Yeah, exactly. I was like that. I was like, it was kind of this touching thing where my dad sort of, you know, the meaning. Like, he's very this very touching thing. He's yeah. trying to, you know, yeah. tell me this. He's very sorry, but I was like, okay, that's great. But now you now I know you think of me as a dog. Yeah, right. yeah. And then after he said that, he said, "Come here, boy." And he, <laughs> right. He yeah. Rubbed your head. Gave me a liver treat. It was delicious. <laughs> but how did you like? As a comic, you know, and as somebody that, you know, I, I had some liabilities. I mean, I had braces. You know, I don't, you know, you, you seem to be a little more disciplined than I am. I, I don't, what what were you like in, in high school in terms of education? Were you a nerd? I was, uh, I was, a, I was, I've always been sort of uh, an like a intellectual idiot. You know what I mean? That was always sort of, I was uh, smart and I, I got good grades, but mm-hmm. I was always doing stupid things to get attention. Uh, in fact, I ended up running for student council. We had like a student council president, yeah. sort of like a student council olig- oligarchy. That was yeah. sort of how our school, and so there were 10 people who were in charge of the student council, and I ran and won, and my campaign was just utter ridiculousness. Just the, all my posters were pictures of me and Kathy Lee Gifford, and nothing made any sense, and it was clearly I was the anti-candidate, right. and I won, and I literally only did that so I could get a card to leave school and go use the bathroom at my house. Like it was a complete <laughs> cynical use of political power, but I needed that card to get it. Because otherwise, I mean, I spent sophomore and junior year just skipping school 
if I was having problems, you know? So I was like, I saw an opportunity. And so your whole life has really been defined by your, your sphincter. Oh, completely. Your- yeah. I mean, uh, up until, yeah, I, I, I sort of manage it now. I, I take fiber pills every day and that sort of, it works. Uh, it's magic. Yeah. So, so you got the card so you could just at any time say, I got to go home. Yes. And spend some official time school, school. So business. that whole like shitting at school thing, the fact that it was so such a, a social liability yeah. was just torture. for It you. was crazy. Yeah. I, I was late. I mean, it, most of my problems happen early in the morning because it's stress induced my, my stomach problems. So it's still to this day, like if I have to wake up too early for like going to the airport, I have to make sure you give yourself time and like, yeah, an extra four. Now what about performing? I mean, when you have larger performing opportunities, are you one of those people that's no, sort of like- uh, well, when I first started, I had problems for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, I don't, I've never had like real stage fright. So that was never really going up on stage. Wasn't, but what about the, f- haven't you had the fear of things not working? Uh, I, initially, at first. Really? Yeah. You, just, you sort of just were able to take the stage and not yeah. have that sort of, uh, you, you, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you know, when I was back, even back in junior high, I would, uh, you know, do, I ran for another, I ran for student council and there was a big speech and I had no problem with that. And Did you kill? I killed. Yeah, I killed. I, uh. I literally was just like, I want, because you got, you got to go to these city-wide student council meetings mm-hmm. and get, eat free pizza. And go was, to the bathroom I was just there. like, I want to eat free pizza. And people were like, yes, okay. Go to the bathroom in other yeah, places. Yeah, exactly. Other cities. <laughs> yeah. Other parts of town. <laughs> right. All over St. Paul. Did, did you like, when you were out with your friends, did you know where the good bathrooms were? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> for sure. I, and I have a mental map of Manhattan. I know every bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's hard here. It is. It, yeah, I mean the 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 go to place used to be um, the the Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. but sometimes you never know when you're going to walk into a, yeah, a, a homeless, uh, a homeless situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had a few of those, <laughs> and then feeling like, and like feeling you're in, interrupting. You know, like, yeah. I wouldn't want anyone to do that when I'm. So there's bathing. an understanding I imagine between people with uh, irritable bowel syndrome and, and homeless bathing rituals. Yeah, in yeah. You, there's a lot of you, yeah. You meet a lot of interesting people. Oh. So you're. I guess what I'm getting at is in high school as a comic, usually you find some way to ingratiate yourself to those that would torture you. Yeah, I. I mean, I think junior year I ended up winning like class clown. I was in the my high school had an improv troupe. And I, my whole, like, actually, my whole comedy career came out of some dude uh, sort of dismissing me when I said I wanted to run, uh, you know, try out for the the improv team at my high school. He was like, wow, you're not funny. And to this day, I mean, like, that's the reason I, I was just like, fuck you. So, yeah. I guess that's why I, I related to you, and, and maybe we're kindred spirits, is that a lot of your life was fueled by spite. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spite against those mm-hmm. who would condescend and judge. Right. But were you able to sort of baffle and uh, ingratiate yourself to the more menacing of the jocks and perhaps the, the yeah? More I mean, my favorite the, story, the bad element. My favorite story uh, of of that. Uh, my in ninth grade, I took Spanish in high school. It was the only non honors class I ever took, uh, and it, uh, it I showed up the first day ninth grade. So I was very short and braces and. Sweater vest. I don't know why I wore sweater vest. And what I made you do that. What I thought it was cool. Uh, <laughs> and I got into Spanish the first day of class, and it was just me and it was like me and like the JV basketball team. That was the class basically. Right. And uh, I I was like, it'll be fine. I listened to Outcast or whatever. And uh, I sit down, and the, and they they were just ruthless. They would make fun of me. They would uh, call me names. They would 
choke me. I got choked a lot, but it was never violent. They right. just would come up from behind when I wasn't expecting it and like wrap. Sometimes it was like piano wire. I don't like they had piano wire. They would like wrap wire around my neck and I would freak out obviously. Yeah. And then they would let go and just crack up. Ugh. They'd be like, ah, ha, ha, you stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's like, oh, oh. At, he's frightened for the right reason. Right. What an idiot. Right. What an idiot. <laughs> I was like, how stupid of me to freak out. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was bad. And they would throw like empty cans of soda at my head and stuff. And it was just, it sucked. And, and the then, teacher just let this happen. Yeah. Our te- Yeah. Our teacher, that Spanish teacher was so broken. You know, she was so done with life that she like it was it was chaos. Like when she was an older public yep, school teacher. Yep, she looked like Newman from Seinfeld, so ever, everyone called her Newman. Like oh that was, she'd be like, they would call her Miss Newman, and she would respond to. That. I mean, it was bad. And uh, and then that December, our our principal made this big announcement that there no more gambling was allowed in the hallways. I didn't. Was there gambling? Yeah, people like played dice in the hallways and stuff. Oh and, my god! And uh, what, what I kind of fucking high school was <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and we there I, were active dice games. There were active on? dice games. There were there were like the Asian like, come on seven. The Asian kids would have break dance competitions in between classes like, in the hallway. Would, in the hallway, and I actually started doing this thing. It's like it's I do it on stage sometimes too. I got really good at making it look like I was about to start break dancing. Because actually, I was just trying to get through the hallway, right? But I would get in the middle of this like big circle, and it would be like my turn, and yeah. I would start like moving around to the to the music, and yeah. like you know, yeah. pumping my shirt and making it look like I was about. To, and I would just do it until they realized I was never gonna start breaking. And I would go for like two minutes without actually doing any dance before they like pushed me out of the <laughs> oh <my laughs> circle. God. But anyway, but back to the, the the story. So our our principal, she instituted this no gambling policy, uh, and I I saw an opportunity, and I went up to these kids in the back of my class and I was like, you know, I can teach you a gambling game that you'll never get in trouble for playing if you just stop choking me, right? And it was they, that clear? There was a was negotiation? Like, yeah, yeah, it was a clear negotiation yeah. and they thought about it and the next day I brought, I taught them how to play dreidel for money. Stop it. I swear. Yeah. And so for like a good month outside my Spanish class, you would walk by and just see these black kids in like Averex jackets huddled over a top. Yeah, just like, yo, that's a W, motherfucker. Pay up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were, were they gambling for chocolate coins? No, they weren't. <laughs> real <laughs> for money? real coins, for I, real paper money. I wonder what Yahweh thought of that. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I think that, well, no, but I thought that, that you, know, it, you know, when you think about the history of the Jewish people and the Jewish scholars and the debate and Talmudic arguments that, uh, that, that, Elevated and and guaranteed the safety yes. of a Jew. Right, <laughs> you did something very, I did. very proactive. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they converted. <laughs> That's a W. I don't even know what's on a dreidel. So, did you do the Hanukkah thing? I, I uh, no, not really. I've sort of um, now that I'm away from my parents' judgment. I don't really. I'm not too uh, practicing. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. You know, if it's the same with you, but like. As a Jew, growing up in New Mexico, and you were there for a brief time. For 11 years. But having parents that come from Jews, but we were never really identified ourselves as anything but conservative. Right. There was still that sort of like, we're better than the reform because they have an organ, singing. Oh, we were, that that was us. Oh, you had the organ? Yeah, probably. And, uh, but I, you know, the weird thing coming out of it, outside of identifying myself culturally Mm -hmm. and and following a certain number of the traditions because of of family and it was expected of you, I was never given any sense of God at all. Yeah, I'm ne- I never bought into it. And Why? I never... It's not even buying into it. No one ever said I had to pray. Uh-huh. No one ever really you know, 
you know, maybe understand, you know, what belief meant. Mm-hmm. You know, it was never, I was never, uh, and, and I'm grateful for it. It was never posited in my brain that, you know, God was something to be feared or that God answered any questions whatsoever. Right. I mean, someone's got to drive that in. Yeah. I never got that either. I, didn't I get never, I never, either. I went and I went, I was f- like, I was Jewish. Growing up, you know, like I went to Jewish summer camp and like Me youth group stuff and yep. never, never took that part of it seriously. I mean, you know, if you if you drop a, my friends and I were just awful. Like we, when, you know, when you drop a prayer book, you're supposed to kiss it. Right. We would drop it on purpose just to like make out with our, you know, like act, you know, just getting, yeah, yeah, going yeah. to second base with our prayer books. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, we're just terrible it's and weird, never right? took it seriously. And, and then I had, I had this uh, experience a couple Paso, it was Four or five years ago, it was Passover, and uh, I was I was doing the Passover thing to see if it meant anything to me, and I ended up getting conned by this Israeli guy for like four hundred dollars when I had I had no money, and it would the whole time he was like it's a mitzvah it's a mitzvah, and I knew I was getting conned, but in my head I was like maybe maybe because the whole thing was like he was saying it was crazy this guy was did, wait, awful i don't understand this guy was at a seder he was no an no man seder? it was a straight up like the like, i was waiting for a train i was at work and it was over passover it was a it was over passover it was okay like day so you're aware of passover i'm i'm yeah and i'm i'm pissed off that i can't eat bread like you know what i mean like so you do, okay so you're you're saying that like you know you did you followed the rules for passover i was following the rules yes and i was seeing if it meant anything because right. up until that point like i was just doing it because i was expected to was, well you go you eat and you right. do the play and there's something funny and kind of, you know, endearing about if you're with family. Yeah, but I wasn't. I was right. by myself in New York, and I was seeing, you know, if, if yeah. I Joe were Mandy, it. search for meaning, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then I definitely found it. Yeah. Uh, this guy came up to me, uh, and he was like, "Excuse me, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish?" And I, I feel bad, but I usually say no. You know, oh really? Because I just don't. Like... I usually fight them to not make me do tefillin on the train. Oh right, but I, I know that's what they're going to do, and right. it's like so I also. Yeah. No, well, he wasn't. Normally it is. This guy looked like Michael Chiklis, okay. right? Like yeah, a tan yeah. Michael Chiklis. Okay. And uh, I was like, yeah. And he started telling me how he, at first he was just wanting to know if this was the train to Queens because he right. had to get to LaGuardia. Right. And then he started telling me this weird story about his girl, his his wife and his child were at this house in Astoria and he was trying to uh, get his uh, uh, shekels in order and all, it just made no sense. And, uh, and he was like, can you help me? It's a mitzvah. I just need you to go to this bank and help me convert shekels into dollars because I don't have a bank account in America. And I was like, wow. Okay, sure. Whatever. This is man. a hustle designed for Jews. It was a, yeah, it was. And it's also the worst hustle. Like it, when it got to the point where he, we, we, we surfaced, we were, we were on 59th street and he started talking to me about like, he started asking me about my girlfriend and is she Jewish? And I said, no. And then he was like, better dumper you know what i mean? It's like who are you yeah. you know and then but, he started, but yet you're following him to a bank exactly and then he's like you know our you know my grandparents didn't die in the holocaust for you to date a christian girl and i was like you know and then the whole time i'm like they didn't you're clearly a liar you know yeah, you're yeah, a, yeah. you're a liar but i'm trying to but he keeps he's nailing home that it's a mitzvah it's a mitzvah he's, yeah I'm, I'm helping him we're jewish we're achim you know all this whole thing so we get to the bank and uh i'm like okay so give me your shekels and then he was like no you you misunderstand i uh I need I need money to turn into shekels, and I was like, "What are you? That's the opposite of what you said." And he told me, you know, he needed four hundred dollars. He did the conversion rate. He said this many shekels, and then was like, uh, "It's about four hundred And but at the time, also, I had a broken iPod, and I was I was actually waiting to buy a new iPod. Wait, so you couldn't check the shekel to. <sighs> so I I don't know why I did this. I went and I got four hundred dollars out of my savings account, 
and I handed it. I was about to hand it to the guy, and then I was like, "Wait, I need your information." You know, if you're because he said his name. First of all, he said his name was Israel from Israel, right? And then he owned the biggest falafel stand in Jerusalem. Like he was the worst con man in the world. But you're falling for it. I was completely then knowingly. But, 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 and I don't. It's the. I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why I did this. And so I gave him the money, and then he wrote on the like a deposit slip. You know, it, it was all in Hebrew uh-huh. script, like Israel from Israel, a phone number with like thirty digits. Right. And then he just walked away with all my money, and I was just like, I just gave that dude my iPod. That's yeah. my iPod. Yeah. And I was just like, just just to see if like I can trust this. I mean, right. I don't know why I did it. It, it bothers me so much, and I. I was like, well, at least I got a story out of it. And I did it. I told it, that story a few nights later on stage. And in the back of the room, I hear someone just freak out. And when I get off stage, it was Nick Kroll. This du- same dude conned Nick Kroll out of like $250, uh, you know, like on Tubish Vat or something. Like, it, like this guy knows how to find like uh, like insecure 23-year-old Jews going through some sort of spiritual crisis. Spiritual crisis. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah, we're Achim, yeah. That's another interesting story. Yeah. That, you know, you, you, you taught the Goliaths how to play dreidel for money. Yes. And then, you know, this is some other weird, I mean, that, that story is like, a, like a, a parable. It was, and also it was, I, I also had this like very- But how did you come to peace with it? I mean, well, obviously- What I did was when I handed him the money, I said, I just want you to know if you don't pay me back, I don't believe in God. So you're gonna have to deal with that, like like some Cameron Crowe movie. You know what I mean? Like I'm just forcing That's good. this. That was the best you could do. Yeah. Like the 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 thing. The... And then he was like, okay, you know, and then just skipped what does away. He care? Yeah. He what does he care? Exactly. And like it was like this. I was forcing. I was trying to. For, I was forcing this this huge plot point in my life. I you know you, you will pay me back or I don't believe in God. Like he cares if I believe in God. And then you know. So the real punchline of that story on, as a stage piece was that someone else had run into the same guy well now it is i mean at first i was just telling the story because i was trying to figure out if it was anything worthy of but like because you know? like in, in, in but now it'd be yeah but like nick crow they, it's so funny that and but because in my life even today there's something about our vulnerability like i come from a, like you come from a family of litigators which is interesting mm. so you know they call bullshit yes and you know i come from you know a father who's very susceptible to being a mark mm. that he's a sucker so most of my adult life, I know that I was brought up like that, that, that like, you know, that I'm easily suckered. So I've had to be vigilant really? against having that sensitivity mm. you know, and, and I'm not sure what it is. And I think part of it for me is that there's something impressive about hustlers that, that, you know, you're sitting yeah. there. And it's like this, they're, they're, you're being played. And you know you're being played. He, they commit a hundred percent. But you want to believe, yeah. Even though in your mind, like my father, this is, guy, the whole time I was like, "You're you are a liar. You're terrible at this." But I, but for yeah, some, but I was strung along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know why. It was like hip, hypnosis. You're a smart guy. Or, you can't figure out why. No. Other than I needed a reason to not believe in God, and it was like a selfish. Like if if that's if it's four hundred dollars for me to live with that then whatever like I, i'm trying like there there's some because i had something like that happen to me and it, and it's sort of stuck in my craw you know like i i bought you know like years ago i bought pot on the street in san francisco mm-hmm. uh or no it was here in new york from uh, from a junkie but okay. i wanted to buy pot mm-hmm. but i i didn't do it the, and i knew i was gonna get burned i knew there was no way i wasn't gonna get burned right how does that guy have weed right so i i came home and i had a, a big you know, balloon full of garbage right and and I knew when I did it, and and I think that on some on some level with that, maybe this is it. 
you never wanted to do that again. So you were going to pay four hundred dollars yeah. to it never sort have of that felt happen. like that. Because also, I'm never going to find anyone that obviously. But there's but there's something about you know like there's something about because you know I have to assume on some level you still fucking hate yourself for doing that. Oh, so much. So that that feeling is enough to stop you. <laughs> yeah. You paid four hundred dollars to be wary of anyone's bullshit and not fall for it. It very well could be. Yeah. That's fucking interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, and I guess that would be the the, the parable is that it, it cost you that much money to never do that again. Right. I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) Because like I, the situation that I I can relate to that is that, you know, my father has has become this weird sort of like, you know, uh, dog trainer. No, No, not a dog trainer. We went through that. My father, uh, we bred, you know, he, you know, he was was a dog shower. Okay. We had old English sheepdogs and we had one that was a champion. And my father was very uh, into showing dogs. Sure. And we went through that as a family, you okay. know, like, you know, five or four English sheepdogs at one time. And the, and the very special one that we had to drive and hang out with dog show people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was prone to those sort of weird, obsessive hobbies. That one included live dogs. Mm-hmm. But uh, now he's like into alternative medicine and he's very hung. He's very into this vitamin thing. And I went to one of these new agey type of expos mm-hmm. with him because his buddy who manufactures a vitamin called the memory revitalizer uh, is someone he has aligned himself with. And, you know, this guy is like a weird kind of libertarian, you know, the FDA is on our ass and he makes this vitamin that's got all this shit in it. That's supposed to, you know, fight Alzheimer's. And my father obviously is very impressed with this character. And when I met him, I looked right through him. I said, this guy is fucking snake. oil. (laughs) This is the definition of snake oil salesman. This is what it really is. And, and I, and I, and I held that, you know, and I held that frame of mind. And then, you know, I don't know when it happened, but I am now buying vitamins directly from him. That's hilarious. How's <laughs> <laughs> your memory? I don't know if it's changed anything, but, yeah. the, but with that kind of hustle, you know, you, you get involved with it and then like, you know, whether it's not, it's just the, you know, the regular ebb and flow of your neurotransmitters on a day to day basis, if you have a good day. Because you're going to attribute it to, of course, the vitamins. So then you get into this weird thing where you're afraid to stop, mm-hmm. and that's how they get you. It's also smart to have a villain like the federal government. Well, yeah, you, you know, like because my dad's like, yeah, they're always checking his shit. Are they checking his shit? I mean, he did just change the capsules from green to blue, which is a more attractive, uh, you know, looking capsule. Yeah. But you got to take six of them, and you know, that's it. You know, if you get hooked, that's on hard them, to remember. To take six memory pills. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do it every day, you, right. you would hope that. So, sort of like Islam, is yeah. it? I mean, you have to take six pills, different times every day. <laughs> no, you do it all at once. Oh, you do it all at once. That's yeah. nothing like Islam. But like, you know, to this day, I'm like, why am I doing this, knowing that it's bullshit? Because there's part of me that thinks maybe it's not bullshit. Now, what happened when you tried to track that guy down? Uh, I mean, I called that number, and of course, it was just like nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of just gave up. I just, I knew it was a lost cause. So now. Well, let's talk about the website and the book. Sure. Uh, what is it? Look at this fucking hipster. Yeah. How did that start? Uh, it started actually with my my parents came to town uh, last year uh, for my dad's birthday, and I took them out to dinner in my neighborhood in Williamsburg. And when they got off the train at North Seventh Street, my dad's head exploded because he had never he had no idea what he was looking at. You know, and my dad used to be a hippie. 
So he he sort of has uh, rationalized that like, well, I was fighting, you know, it was, it was a war going on. I was fighting the war, so like he kept that like, who are these people? Who are what do these they hipsters? stand for? Yeah, he was like, are they against the war? And I was yeah. like, no, I don't <laughs> think so. You know, and he, the more questions he asked about hipsters, the more confused he got, and the harder it was to explain uh-huh. what 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 I was surrounded by. You right. Know? And uh, so I told my dad when we were eating dinner that he should start a blog called "Is This a Hipster." where he would take pictures of people in my neighborhood and then just underneath like yes or no and then people could vote whether they were or not and then I realized you know shortly after dinner that my dad's never going to be able to figure out right. like a blog his software so uh or his new camera or well he he's actually very good with a dev with the camera but uh also he lives in suburban Philadelphia so there's no hipsters really you know mm-hmm. and uh uh, so then I, I started it like a week later. I started a website called Look at This Fucking Hipster and just was taking pic- pictures of people in my neighborhood. And uh, it, it's one of those weird internet things that just I had no intention. It was just a thing for my friends and I and my dad, just a joke. And it just blew up kind of completely out of my hands. And I, I did no publicity for it or anything. Like the, the, the layout of the blog is just like the default settings. You know what I mean? I put no right. real effort into and it. It was just a yes or no question? No, it's just it was just pictures of people uh, around Williamsburg and then just funny captions underneath, like little quotations of what they would be saying or what I imagined them thinking. You know? Right. And uh, it sort of, it was just like one of those, there was all this, I guess all this animosity towards hipsters and it just blew up. And uh, I felt very uneasy about it because even though I thought it was funny, like I had the problem like people liking it almost yeah. too much. Right. Where, uh, you know, you thought you're doing a disservice to your peers. Well, I just I, I had I had no intention of it be people becoming like there's a guy on my website who, who became like people now call him beans. Because I, I made I put a few pictures of him and I called him Beans because he looks like he should be called Beans. Yeah. So and he goes to a lot of concerts and people like get their picture taken with Beans and stuff. It's so bizarre. Has he accepted it? Yeah, I mean he in my book he's got his own chapter. I had a professional <laughs> photographer. He came into Brooklyn and uh, we did like a full photo shoot with him. He's so a, you, you it was you did what every hipster wants is you gave him a certain credibility and notoriety. Yeah, and for us, he wasn't. Even, he's not even really a hipster. He's just like this lunatic. But uh, so he's just he was waiting for a nickname. Oh man, yeah, he's the funniest guy. Uh, and so yeah, and then so the blog was it got really big really quick, and I started getting like emails to my anonymous Gmail account from publishers saying, you know, let's make this a book. And I was just like, I didn't I had real no no interest really in doing that. And then I got an email from a friend saying that there was some guy in New York that was going around town pitching my book, saying he was the author of the blog. So going into meetings and trying to get a book deal. Uh, so I mean, the, the book the book I ended up writing was completely out of like a defensive stance where I was just like... Did you find out who he was? I don't know who the guy was. You really don't? I don't. I really don't. It wasn't Beans. It was, wasn't Beans. Uh <laughs> So again, spite drove you to create. Yeah, and and defensiveness, yeah. And uh the book itself, it was it's funny. Like I I ended up writing the whole thing in just a few weeks. It's, and has it sold well? I think so. I mean, I don't I It's hard to know with that. It's hard yeah. to know. I mean, it's at Urban Outfitters and stuff, but I've always tried to separate that from my stand-up cuz the What I, are you going to do? Bring slides on? Right. And also yeah. it's just that's not my It's fun. I mean, it's not really my 
my thing. That's not my sense of humor, really. It's just oh, it's just a like it was a it was a thing. side project right. I was working and on. Pictures are good. People like pictures. Right. It was an easy thing. Uh, it wasn't even a side project. It was this thing you just did as a fluke. Right. Completely. Now let me like ask you in a general sense about hipsters because I've been working on a joke that you know that there's a confusion in terms of of where some hipsters draw from historically like you know i've had, I've, I've, I've i have a big problem with handlebar mustaches you should yeah, everyone should i have a problem with fedoras mm -hmm. and and then i saw a guy with a handlebar mustache and a fedora and i think he was like wearing jodhpurs or something right and then like it, it occurred to me that it looks like he dressed quickly running through a time tunnel <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you think that'll work as a joke yeah that's funny and and, and i don't like when you know obviously there's a resentment you know and i have found in my life that a lot of that type of resentment it's it's primarily based on the amount of effort put into their personal appearance right that that defines any sort of uh you know cultural meme at any given time yeah and and the hipsters seem to try to outdo each other with with resources uh in, in terms of uh vintage facial hair you know found right. and they're all just trying to outsilly each other is it silliness though cuz i i think some of these people are presenting themselves rather seriously well they are very serious about being silly i mean i don't i don't really know i can't really speak for them but right. the funniest thing about hipsters to me is that no one is a hipster right no one will it's a it's a slur right so the biggest hipster in the world has come up to me people who are textbook hipsters saying oh i hate hipsters i love your book and it's like okay dude. well did you ever do any uh you know research is it into the is it etymology uh, of the, I mean, I think that the word hipster really sort of came out of, you know, white guys hanging around black jazz clubs. It was, I mean, I, I've done, I did some research obviously for uh -huh. my very important book. Now I don't know if I, etymology I was the right word. That is the right word. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you nailed it. Oh, uh, but it, yeah, it started off as sort of like a jazz term. Right. For, yeah. Posers really, but people who were into the hip subculture and, and that uh, kind of evolved into beatnik. Yeah. So and, so that that the history of the hipster is, uh, you know, the um, Cold War outsider. Really, you know, you got hipster, the jazz age white guy, and that evolved into the Cold War outsider. And now I think it's just evolved into, you know, people who are trying with everything they have to look different than right, other people. Sort of aimless. And, and assume a posture. Yeah. That, that I think the, the, the real fallacy of it is that it means nothing other than what they're trying to do on an appearance level. Right. And my biggest problem with it is that whenever you see any documentary or anything about the 60s, they show the same stock footage of like Haight-Ashbury and Jefferson Airplanes playing, and it's like these people with like flowers in their hair dancing in, in the park. Yeah. And I'm just afraid 30 or 40 years from now, it's all going to be stock footage of like North North Seven, Bedford and North Seven, yeah. and Animal Collective is going to be playing. Yeah, all these yeah. guys with like overalls and handlebar mustaches, and well, I you would playing you, kickball. You, you would know? hope that they they even have that power of definition. I mean, I think that you know the reason that that '60s footage is, is used is you know you know certainly now is is um, it's almost mocking that you know that like your father. I mean, they believed that that taking the liberties to present themselves like that was, it was an actual rebellious act right. and, and identified themselves as, as a community with a cause. And they, they had one for mm -hmm. real. You know, what's sad about that culture now is that any time there's, you know, legitimate social outcry outside of them, you know, being forced to only be active in, in, in penned off areas that they designate for activism is that the cameras on CNN will always go to like nine people that look like wavy gravy and some squatters. Right. 
So it undermines everything. So that actual image of the hippie has, has you know, now you know, is clownish. It is. Right. And, and it's sad because, you know, they actually did something. I right. believe. I mean, I, I hipsters comparatively, yeah. And I mean, and that's the that's the thing is that's what confused your father. Do they do they stand for anything? Yeah, they're just clowns. I mean, <laughs> it, when you look at when you look at what a clown is, they're clowns. Yes, absolutely. They're serious clowns, which is the worst kind of clown. Well, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, I actually have another question. That yeah, the one thing that impresses me about your comedy is that it's literate, it's smart, it's long form. Uh, you know, you seem to you know come from a tradition. Uh, of what I will identify as Jewish monologists, you know, uh, along the lines of of uh, uh, of Woody Allen and, and some, uh, but a little more personal, right? Uh, okay. And and you know that that type that uh, that type of of comedian is 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 rare now. Uh, you know, in the seventies, you know, back when you know you, you know New York dictated, uh, you know, the the cultural high point and and. Uh, neurotic Jews were unmedicated, and uh, the the, uh, the therapy was was accepted, you know, across the world as 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 being something that is possible and that is done, and, and that neurotic Jews do, and and they talk about it uh, is gone. It's been medicated away. It no longer exists as an archetype. And how? What's your success rate with this stuff? Because you seem to have figured out how to make it work for you. Well, I don't take medicine, so I guess that helps. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I've sort of figured out what I. I like doing on stage and it is sort of short stories, you know? Uh-huh. And do you, um, have you, have you tried to take it to people that are not like-minded? Uh, I, I've been venturing out a little bit into, uh, I, I did a thing in Vancouver recently and that was, I was up there. Right. I was there, I think a week before you uh-huh. and it was like a club, it was like a clubby club and it took me a couple days to feel it out and figure out what jokes worked i mean it is there's an attention span that's the difference. biggest issue yeah i mean people who are used to uh short one-liner simple things not i mean i don't, I don't mean to demean no 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 yeah. there's nothing demeaning about it but some people you know joke structure is really about turning a phrase or a surprise right. ending. there there's nothing like that with me i mean I, I, right yeah so so in order to sort of you know move through something that requires them to to lock in yeah. and follow you is, is different. You're, you're really dealing with sophistication and attention span. But if you look at your most one-liners or jokes, what they're waiting for is a surprise ending, right? And or, or a poopy ending. Yeah, and right. I'm I'm going for a more visceral thing where I'm I'm trying to tell a story and keep right. people along for the ride. And I, I I've been I've opened a few times for Berbiglia, and uh-huh. I've learned a lot of how his how he works, where he really does just try to hit jokes throughout the story, right? You know, and that's, right. that's, that's something you really have to. So what you do is what I do and what people who tell stories do is that yeah, at some point you have to identify either consciously or not. This is the laugh place. Yeah. And you can dictate the rest right. of the story. Because I think when you when you first start with story form, you don't really know where they're going to come. And I'm still like that. There, there are times where I talk about something that's happened recently on stage where people laugh and then, you know, after the show, I got to go like, why'd they laugh there? And then can yeah. I make it happen again? Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, is it a face I made? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And and that's the trickiest part about doing it that way. Yeah. But it's working. I'm trying. I mean, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Things seem to be going all right. Yeah. Yeah. Have, did you do, have you done any television? Uh, I'm wait. I've done like live at Gotham, live that Gotham. Is essentially, but I'm waiting to do a late night show. Are you on? Uh, are you uh, in line at Fallon show? Or? Who knows? I don't. I don't really. I'm so. My parents are so freaked out about that part of my life where I don't know. I don't know how things work. I. I, I suppose I am. I know. I've. 
sent tapes in. I've talked to people, but I can tell you honestly, as a guy who's been doing it a long time, uh, the freaked outness will never go away. Yeah, I, and I, I've, I'm fine with that. But my parents, you know, they've been not. My parents have been so cool about me being a comedian. You know, they never pressured me. Yeah. So I think I would be a pretty good trial lawyer. Yeah. You know, and I, they never because I think well, ultimately I think my dad wanted to be a comedian. He and all his friends. Would Lawyers just, definitely do. Yeah, they just get they hang out at dinner parties and get bombed and tell war stories. I used to you do know. a joke about lawyers are, are creative, charismatic, entertaining people that didn't have the courage to follow their dreams. So now they're going to make everyone else pay for it. Okay, well, I hope my <laughs> parents don't hear that. Uh, does that make sense? I mean, I'm not saying in, in a negative way that that most lawyers I've met that go the trial route uh -huh. are, are performers. Oh, and, totally, And, and yeah. many, many people, there's more so than other professions, have left law right. to do stand-up. Yeah. Al Lubell, Greg Giraldo, uh, Mike, uh, There's there's been several. Right, yeah, and there, there is a performance aspect to it. For sure. So your parents are a little more frightened than you are. They are. I mean, they just they just think it's crazy what I'm doing because I they always ask me like, what's the next thing? And I was like, I don't know. I'll figure well, it out. You're a guy. I imagine you know management and uh, you know people who are somehow taking care of your career, are trying to move you towards writing. They are. They're they're very uh, very into. I'm a, I'm an ideas guy. Yeah, say. yeah. 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 So that's a that's a. That's and I would love. I, mean, I think ideally, I would like to end up writing for television and and still be able to do stand-up well i hope that happens joe oh thank you me too thanks for talking thank you mark okay that's our show thank you for listening i'm very happy that you're all digging this show it, it makes me thrilled i'm trying not to acknowledge uh, a lot of the press and uh not i mean i'm taking it in but i'm still just talking to you I, I've got to keep it that way in my head, and it seems to be staying that way in my head. And the reason why it's easy for me to keep it there is I'm sitting in my garage right now, and that is not going to change. Oh, let me do this. Let me plug a couple of gigs. Uh, tomorrow night and Saturday. Tomorrow night, Friday, 8 o'clock at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. I will be doing a live WTF with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, Will Franken, Baron Vaughn, Maria Bamford. I think my friend Nato Green's going to stop by. Maybe some other drop-in guests. We'll see how that goes. And next week, Helium in Portland. Uh, next Wednesday through Saturday, 26th through the 29th, Helium in Portland, Oregon. It's going to be fun. If it's anything like the other Helium, it's going to be great. So come out to that. Please go to WTFPod.com. Uh, you know, kick in a few bucks if you can. We're running on donations here and and advertising support. It is my job. I like doing it. Uh, you know, so throw us a bone if you can. You can also get on the mailing list, which I've been very diligent about, and new T-shirts uh, under the merch button there. American Apparel shirts. Uh, the I, I like the company. They're 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 great, and we're going to be offering some more stuff. Uh, there's going to be some mugs on the way. Perhaps a pow, I just shipped my pants mug. Maybe a cat mug. Huh? What do you think of that? Mugs? Huh? Hell yeah. Uh, also, WTFPodshop.com if you want to pick up the premium episodes, which will soon be available again on iTunes. And get the app. Go to iTunes. Search WTF with Mark Marin. App's fun. A lot of cool stuff on it. Oh, enough of this. Enough. I'm going to find an emotionally healthy relationship right now. I'm going to make some calls. Talk to you later. Bye.